This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How a Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Kevin Nevels. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Henry. We're excited to have Kevin. Uh, Kevin is a local business owner here in Coppell, Texas, where I live. Uh, Kevin was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, where he took his very first Taekwondo class at age nine. Uh, due to the persistent belief, though, that he was better at baseball than Taekwondo, Kevin made it to the rank of green belt before he ultimately decided to take a break. Uh, then in 1997, his family moved to Coppell, Texas, here where I live, and he attended the local Coppell High School and graduated in the class of 2001. In the summer of 2002, Kevin decided to train in Taekwondo again under the instruction of Mr. Chuck Schmidtke. I think I got that right, Schmidtke. Yes, sir. At what was then Coppell Taekwondo Center. In 2004, Kevin achieved a lifetime goal and earned his first degree black belt, huge accomplishment. And Kevin later decided to become a Taekwondo certified instructor. Uh, after CTC closed, as the Coppell Taekwondo Center closed its doors, Kevin transferred to Flower Mound, a neighboring suburb here in the Dallas area, Flower Mound Taekwondo, where he trained for six years, earning his second and third degree black belt. After leading Flower Mound Taekwondo demo team, uh, very six, two or several, I should say, successful seasons, including second place at the Taekwondo National Demo Team competition, Kevin decided to open his own school back where he started here in Coppell. Uh, Kevin's thrilled to be back in the community and share the art of Taekwondo with the Coppell community that he grew up in. And Kevin isn't, when he isn't, rather doing cool ninja stuff, as he says. He's probably in trouble with his wife. We'll chat about what that means. And, or you can see him chasing uh, one of his two kids. He's got a daughter who's six years old and a son who's three years old, right? Yes, sir. Excellent. So that's a bit about Kevin. Once again, Kevin Nevels, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be on here today. Well, we're glad to have you. I, I'm, I'm excited to start to do a series of episodes focusing on local small business owners like myself and uh, understanding the, the challenges that you've gone through and the successes that you've had. In this episode, we're going to chat briefly about your journey, and then we're going to specifically touch on your community involvement and how that's been part of your overall marketing strategy and the success that you've had doing that. Obviously, 
it complements very well the type of business that you're in. But let, let's start with that. Explain to us what is the business. Well, uh, so the business is a traditional uh, Taekwondo school, and uh, it's just it's really exciting because I get a chance to work with. Uh, yeah, you know, mostly kids in the community, but it's a it's a way for me to to give back. And you know, one of the big things that we do is yeah, obviously people think of kicking and punching and and things like that in self defense when they think of taekwondo schools. But for me, it's um, the martial arts almost is secondary when it comes to uh, instilling life skills and making sure that we're developing good citizens for the community of Coppell. To me, that is that is paramount. We want to make sure that. Um, you know, we instill great core values, uh, respect, discipline, courtesy. And I, I think that that's something that I think that some people would say in this uh, day and age that uh, could be missing from some of our youth. And we think that that's really important to inst instill that. Yeah, it's great stuff. And it, it all ties into the why, your personal why and the why of the business. And, and again, this is a family focused environment that you've created here in your business, right? Uh, absolutely. Um, one thing that we kind of noticed when in 2010 when we looked at opening up the school you know there was there were several great martial arts schools uh, in Capel and some some would even say that there was a an abundant amount for the amount of people that live in this community uh, so the challenge was trying to figure out where we fit in as you know as a business you know there, there were several different types of martial arts but we really felt that the family friendly first um, was kind of missing. And, and there were some schools that were kind of doing, you know, family friendly, but we wanted to take it to the next level. Uh, so we, we really felt that if we we kind of push that family first, um, you know, uh, atmosphere uh, in our school, that um, that that would make uh, us kind of give us a niche that that wasn't being filled and would instantly give us a, an edge on our competition. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And that's such a great point that there were all challenged with often when we're going into a market that we might feel is already saturated, identifying very clearly what's going to be our differentiator is, is a key concept for, for all anybody listening who's starting a business. Absolutely. Let's go back in time, though, for a minute. I want to get a little bit more of the journey uh, that you went through. You, if I got it right, and I think we chatted about it, got a, a bachelor's in arts at uh, University of North Texas up the highway here. So yes, sir. back then, what, what were you thinking you were going to do? What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? So um, interestingly enough, at Coppell High School, uh, where I graduated, uh, there is a program there called uh, KCBY, and that, that's basically the school's uh, television show and uh, it's a broadcast journalism uh, 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 you know class that you can take and did that for a couple years and I just really fell in love with with uh, creating you know media and we would do interviews and you know cover local sports and we would make little funny you know segments and stuff and you know just it was kind of a kind of hodgepodge of all these different types of things that, that we would do uh, but it was all based on television and uh, immediately fell in love with it, did it for two and a half years and really felt that I had a future in in some sort of uh, broadcasting or journalism or something like that. So I, uh, I continued uh, my education in that area uh, up at the University of North Texas. And so what were you thinking you were going to do with that education after school? So my dream was to be a film producer, okay. uh, to be very honest. We, uh, I, I produced a feature-length film um, with another uh, Coppell High School alum. He, he was a few years older than me, so uh, we did that with the hopes of uh, submitting it and being accepted to Sundance Film Festival and did a couple of uh, short films and things like that. And 
the biggest thing I came out of that is realizing that that is a tough industry to crack. I can only and, imagine. And I mean, I mean, UNT has a tremendous arts program, but even with that, so when did that, when did that unfortunate reality hit that, okay, this may not be something I can actually make a living at, or I'm not willing to make the changes or sacrifices necessary to get there. And, and you know, you, you nailed it right there. Um, to be very honest, it was about, uh, I would probably say about a year after I graduated from, from the University of North Texas, uh, went into the industry. Uh, I worked uh, at uh, Cumulus Media, um, which is a radio station, but actually did vi videography there and was making $10 an hour, working 20 hours a week. And my wife and I were looking to get, uh, to get married, you know, at the time she was my fiance and just realized that I could not support a household and, and start a family making this kind of money. So had to make some tough decisions at that point. All right, but then mostly people would say, all right, go get go get a real job, quote unquote. Instead, how did you get to a point where you decided, let's go open a business? Well, um, so it was really interesting. So after uh, I did the, the, the radio, television, film thing, um, I, I knew I needed to, to get our family established first. So I uh, actually wound up um, taking a job uh, with my father's company. He was the vice president of a company, wound up uh, getting involved in petroleum and uh, wound up uh, working as a quality control technician uh, for the petroleum company. So I was in the, in the muck, so to speak. Yeah. I'd come home smelling like gas and diesel after doing, you know, um, all day testing it to make sure the quality was high. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of the, the next step that I took on the journey. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And obviously then you were making, uh, I'm sure, a decent living. I had a steady paycheck, quote unquote, and benefits. So then what does happen that motivates you to come back and start a school? Well, you know, no offense to my father's industry or anything <laughs> like that, but when you when you when you go to work and you're just like, man, I really hate being here, it's amazing how that will motivate you to actually find something that you love to do. And and that's really all it was is um when I went back uh, to training in martial arts, I just realized it was a passion and it was yeah. something that I absolutely loved. And and that's the biggest differentiator is I did not love going to work every day and coming home smelling like gas and diesel, but I loved teaching martial arts and I loved sharing, you know, those, um, you know, the life skills and the lessons and, and actually teaching the fundamental martial arts and stuff. Absolutely loved that. So that's the, Finding something you love is the biggest differentiator for me. Yeah. So were you teaching up in Flower Mound while you were still working? Did you get a taste of teaching uh, during that period of time while you were working on your second and third degree? Yes, sir. That, that's absolutely correct. So, um, you know, would come in and actually on Mondays, I would I would lead most of the classes. You know, the, the chief instructor was there and he I was under his supervision, but, um, you know, kind of Mondays was kind of my day. So I, you know, I took the reins and would teach a wide variety of classes from, you know, kids to teenagers to adults and um, just found I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But so one thing is enjoying teaching and being good at it. You could have done that on the side to get that, you know, that fulfillment. It's a whole nother matter to say, I'm going to start a business. And so when you started Coppel Taekwondo again, did you quit your job or is there a transition period? Tell us about that. Well, uh, that's, that's, yeah, absolutely. So, um, actually what it was, is I was, I was, um, uh, running the flower mound demo team at the time and we did this big competition and, um, and it, it was really funny. It actually was my father who lit the spark under me actually, mm -hmm. which is kind of ironic in the fact that I was working for him. But he said, 
you know, like, why are you, you know, why are you working for, for, you know, your, your instructor at the time? Like, why are you doing that for him? You know, I see this passion. You, why aren't you doing it for yourself? And it really made me think. And I was like, why am I not doing this for myself? Especially it was almost kind of like an unofficial green light for my father to, you know, to, to start that journey. And, uh, and, and really that, that's the thing is kind of, you know, accepting that, you know, maybe I could do this for myself. And, and that was really the, the Kickstarter of the whole thing. So going from, you know, running classes for someone else to actually really just believing in myself that I could take that step and, and I could, you know, make a, make a viable business out of this was just something I'd never really considered, or, you know, even if I did consider it, never put much value in it. So yeah. I, I got to give it, I got to tip my hat to my dad for honestly instilling the courage in me to actually do it. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. And having that courage is often the thing that we need to take the step. So did you quit your job to focus on starting a business? Was your wife working at the time? I'm trying to get an understanding now of the finances of it, because that's something that we all struggle with, especially with starting that first business is how do we a get the money to start it, but then pay our bills while we're getting it launched. How did you go through that process? Absolutely. So I uh, actually wound up working for my dad for another year after we launched the business. Uh, my wife was working full time uh, for Brinker International. So um, we both had full time jobs. And uh, I like to refer to the first year of us being open as the adrenaline year. Sure. Be because and I, I don't even think I have like any vivid memories of that year, <laughs> but it was wake up at, at six, go into work, uh, get off at three drive straight to the martial arts school, teach until nine, and then go to sleep and do it all over again. Those early days, it's like you're describing, they're often fueled by, you're, you're obviously wanting to, to get to a point where you can self-sustain and quit your job, but, but it's fueled by this feels right. The passion is there, even though I'm exhausted. Is that, is that what got you through that period of time? 100%. And I do have to mention that on top of us launching a business, we actually, my daughter was born a month after we opened the business. Oh my so, <laughs> so you can imagine just the, the, the tired factor, but kind of what I referred to that, that adrenaline, that, that passion, uh, it really did fuel us. And, and it's amazing when, when you care about something, you know, what, and you put your whole, you know, your body and soul into it. It's amazing the, the benefits that you can reap from it. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can accomplish once all those things are in alignment and you're working on something for yourself and, and you and your spouse are in it together. I think that's a huge component of it as well. Meaning in your case, you work together, but that, that's not always the case, but meaning you're, you were together in accomplishing this goal. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right. So where did the money come from? Did you have, and I don't want the specific numbers, but I, I'm curious, did you have savings? Did you get a loan? How did you come up with the money to start the business? Great question. So um, actually it was a couple things. So you know, in working with my dad's company, uh, I, I was paid pretty well and had the opportunity to enjoy some, some nice things. So we had purchased a boat. Uh, I had a Camaro that I dearly loved and still miss to this day. Uh, and I had some savings. Uh, so the Camaro uh, was sold, the boat was sold, we had some savings. And actually, my, um, my father in law actually wound up uh, providing a small loan as well to kind of help us out with that. Now, I wouldn't recommend, uh, you know, just jumping into a financial decision with your father-in-law, you know, uh, for everyone, maybe that's not going to be the, the best case, but, um, you know, he really believed in what we were doing and, uh, just, I'm so blessed to, 
to have a, a great family and great support system. So he was able to to help us out to kind of launch that. And I can I can say that it's all paid off, so that's great. But uh, it was it was by the support of a family and kind of selling off, you know, some of the finer things that we had to, to get that initial nest egg to get it going. Yeah. You made some financial sacrifices, which is often the case. You started a business like the majority of people start businesses in this country, which is friends, families, their own savings and resources. That's, that's how most small businesses get started. Uh, on the note, uh, how did you draft a formal note? In other words, it was an agreement or was it just word, uh, handshake? How did you handle that part of it with your father-in-law there 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 was an official note uh it was signed by all parties um and and i know that it 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 was a formalized handshake deal is really what it was but i i did i i actually push i wanted to make it official i i didn't want to you know side skirt any you know details and, and he's a very meticulous uh man so he made sure to to draw up something that was very fair and and there was no you know, payback limit on when it had to be paid back. It was just, you know, pay it back, you know, when we could. And it was a um, 2% per annum uh, interest rate that we came up to. So, you know, it, he, it was a, it was a quote unquote investment on his part, but um, you know, it wound up being, you know, more than fair on his end. And, and we really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Two points there. Obviously he was generous in his part, but the part I was getting to as well is that even in these family relationships, I think even more so, you have to get it in writing so that that hopefully eliminates the bad feelings later about what was my intention? What did I assume? I thought you were going to give me this. So by having written it all down ahead of time, as if it was a strictly business and you didn't know each other, I think that that was the best way to go about it. Absolutely. And I felt more comfortable because at that point it didn't affect really the personal relationship. And I think anybody knows that when, money and family get intermingled, it could be, it has a potential for a disaster. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But nonetheless, that's what we have to do sometimes, right? And, and we're fortunate, you're fortunate that you had family to depend on, and that's a good thing. Absolutely. All right, since we're on the personal topic there of working with family, I, I want to ask about working with your wife. I've, I do it now. We had a business a couple years ago. We, we were uh, very much involved in the business and we had some challenges early on. It was almost 100% my fault because I, was, I wasn't treating the relationship professionally. You know, some of the personal baggage was seeping into it. And so I had to learn my bounds. I mm. also had to make sure I wasn't the dictator in the situation. Yes. Uh, but, but we figured it out and we worked very well together. What have been some of the keys to you and your wife working well together? Well, I, I would echo the exact same things I, I think is, it happened between my wife and myself. Uh, I think that the biggest thing is trying to differentiate home and business. Mm. And, you know, it, it to be very honest, it's impossible. Uh, you know, things are going to bleed in. You know, you, you always take work home. You take home to work. And, you know, to be very honest, it has, you know, uh, made a, a occasionally a, a difficult time or two but ultimately we just have to remember that that we love each other and that we have the same common goals uh i think my wife and i may have different paths to get to those goals i'm um i'm very like i like to think big picture and i look at the far off goal where she is um you know she looks at the meticulous details and stuff i'm not a very detail oriented person so that is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. But we wind, you know, we find that 
if we sit down and we talk about our common goals and really discuss what we're trying to do, we, we always find common ground. And sometimes we get a little passionate and a little heated about how to, how to reach said goal, but we always bring it back to the commonality and that always seems to work. Yeah. Yeah. Great insights there. Thanks for sharing that. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. Do you want to be your own boss and start your own business? Do you aspire to be an entrepreneur and enjoy the freedom of time and location? So what's holding you back from getting started? How do you know if you're actually ready to be your own boss? I would like to invite you to join me for an online program that will help you clearly understand if you are in fact ready. And if you're not quite ready, what do you need to do to get there? Perhaps you need help understanding and overcoming your fears. Maybe you're not entirely sure about what it really takes to be ready, willing, and able to become your own boss. My online program is about helping you take the first critical steps towards realizing your dreams of entrepreneurship. I will take you step-by-step through a process that will help you determine if you are in fact ready to be your own boss and specifically identify what you need to do next. To find out more about my online program, please visit thehowofbusiness.com for more information. All right, let's dive into the the topic from a business perspective that we want to get into here, which is how you have used community involvement as your primary marketing vehicle to build the business. Um, And I want to start at that level, the high end, is uh, tell me about what role community involvement plays in your overall marketing plan. Is it the whole of it? Is it a component of it? Do you still do traditional advertisement as well? Give me that big picture. We'll start there and then we'll dive into community involvement and how you do it. Absolutely. Well, um, I think that any smart business person is going to have a multi-prong approach to marketing. Um, I, I will say that community involvement is a big piece of what we do. And, and I think that that lends itself well to the community that we live in here in Coppell. Um, I, I think you could probably you know, share with your listeners that Coppell is a very tight-knit community. So um, you know, having that, that, that outreach uh, you know, out into the public is huge. But we still do traditional marketing. Well, you'll see us in newspaper. You'll see us um, uh, you know, we do uh, direct mail. Uh, we do uh, flyers. You know, you'll see all that stuff. You'll see a little bit more modern approaches that we take, uh, a lot of social media marketing, um, things like that. A lot of Facebook ads, I think, are specifically what we target. Uh, but uh, the community involvement there is nothing like a one-on-one, you know, direct approach with someone uh, to really sell who you are and sell what your product is. And, and we love getting a chance to get out into the community, uh, not only to give back and to support, uh, you know, local causes, uh, you know, local organizations, um, but you know, we, we love the chance to have that one-on-one interaction uh, with a potential client or customer. Yeah, and so again, like you said, to to give better or further context, Coppell is a classic suburban bedroom community, mostly made up of families mm-hmm. and a very few single people, very few retired people. It's mostly families and single family homes. It ties to when you were first looking at how you were going to differentiate, differentiate the business, we talked about it being family focused. And I got to think that back then the community involvement, you saw that as part of the differentiation, the differentiation process up front. Is that fair? 
Oh, uh, you nailed it on the head yeah. right there. Um, I mean, I remember we were open for maybe two weeks, and we did our very first community event, which was a a local. They brought in a bunch of bounce houses and um, one of the local parks, and uh, we saw it's a prime opportunity to get in, uh, get a chance to meet families, uh, you know, meet children in the community, and uh, kind of show them you know who we were and and how we were different than everyone else out there yeah and you personally are great at it uh, i've seen you in action and obviously you've we've seen the results did you know that uh, obviously having had the background you had in media you certainly weren't a shy person to get out there and to talk and to speak right so did was that part of the plan that you knew this is a fit for me on top of the fact that this is how we're going to differentiate You've been speaking to my wife. She'll tell you that <laughs> that, that I, uh, I I probably talk a little too much. But um, you know what? It was really interesting. I had a just a a sixth sense almost that you know we really needed to get out to to the people and we really needed to to spread our message that way. And I I didn't quite realize at the time. Uh, you know, I guess how my background in, in media, I, I'd been on ca- camera multiple times and and I really don't have a problem speaking. But how well that translated into um, you know, face-to-face interactions, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's just something with our, with my passion about martial arts that comes through, but it, it definitely, it definitely ties in perfectly uh, with, with our approach. And the hardest part I think is if, if you're not comfortable in that setting, a, a community event or something like that could be, you know, a little bit scary or a little bit challenging for someone who isn't quite as open. That's right. And that's why I make that point because often what I see is people perhaps making the mistake of saying, okay, this is how we're going to differentiate ourselves. But they stop to, to think, well, but am I that person? Is that Does that work for me, for my personality? And that doesn't mean we can't evolve and develop new skills. But I think at the end of the day, for something like this, you either enjoy that or you're going to end up being miserable. And for you, everything was an alignment to actually differentiate this way, it seems to me. I, I would I would agree with that 100 percent. It just was a natural fit. And, uh, you know, just we're, we're just very blessed that the stars aligned and it all worked the, the way that I had it in my mind. Yeah. You uh, defined it to me as in this whole approach and just in the way you go about doing your business of give first, receive second. So introduce that that philosophy for us. Well, um, I think that that's so huge. In uh, it's really unique, I think, because uh, in Capel, in the community that we live in, um, my wife and I and our children, we live here, we work here, uh, we went to school here, and so there is a you know there there's a sense that you know I'm not just here to provide a, a business service to you know the potential clients or customers here. This is my community, and so anytime that I, I I'm able to give back, I'm not just giving back. You know, to to try to get something out of it is I want to give back because this is where I live, and if I give back and hopefully I inspire others to give back, that um, that we'll have a better community. And what I find is is that the more you give, the more relationships you make, the more uh, you know people you meet in the community, and maybe maybe that particular person that you're giving to isn't interested in martial arts, but they know five, 10, 15 other people that might be interested in martial arts. And that's where the receive second comes from, is that if we have a giving heart and we have that giving mentality, we're going to be paid back. And usually it's in multiples of what we've actually given out. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. The challenge, however, though, Kevin, is, is sometimes that approach takes time to actually produce results to the bottom line. And at the end of the day, you're in a pro, pro, for-profit business, 
So how long do you think it took for all of these efforts to start paying off? And again, that wasn't the motivation, but at the same time, you know, there's a mixed motivation, right? You're doing it to improve your community, but you're also doing it to improve your business. When did it start paying off, quote unquote? Well, I would say that it took roughly about a year for that that initial strategy to really start paying off. And the example I would I would use is that when we started, we launched the business in in May of 2010. And uh, you know, we were getting a honestly we were getting our feet wet in business, you know, how to how to, you know, things to do, things not to do. We we learned so many more not to do things than than uh, what to do that first year. But um I would say that 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 second summer that um May, June of, of 2011, we really got an influx of people. And what it was, was uh, it was people who had heard about us, who had seen us at these events. Uh, so we were able to get people talking. We were able to get the word out. And that first summer, uh, it really paid off. We had a, a big influx of students. Um, that was actually the point that I was able to leave my full-time job working for my father. Uh, and it was after 11 months of us being open. I was, I was able to do that. And then, and then the influx of students came. We, we probably were we broke 100 students at that point, uh, which was like a big tipping point, a big milestone that we were trying to hit. So um, I would say right at about that 12-month uh, mark, give or take. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Um, you and I had chatted also about all this effort and all this work you do in the community. You're partly pitching the whole family focus, as we've talked about. And then we chatted about how important that is related to your reputation and the congruency. In other words, that there's not a disconnect when then someone does come in to your place of business, that it that it's all congruent, right? What you said, you be, the way you said you were going to behave, that's how you behave. That's the actual atmosphere uh, at the business. Talk to us about how important that is, the whole concept of reputation and all of that. Absolutely. The um, I I can't the uh, reputation is so important because it has. It, especially in a small town like Capel, it, it can have such a positive or a negative effect on your business. If you don't do what you say you're going to do, if you don't live the way that you say that you live, and you and if you aren't an example for those who follow you um, in this particular business, you're just not going to be successful. Um, in a business that works mostly with, with children, we, you know, we have adult students and things like that, but I would probably say that um, 75 to 80% of our students are um, – small children, uh, elementary age and, and teenagers, we have to, we have to live the right way. We have to do what we say we're going to do. And so if somebody comes in and I, and I tell them, you know, Hey, we're a family friendly school and, and you're going to be able to train with your child, but then they come in and, and they see people, you know, like doing mixed martial arts and, and beating on each other and stuff. That's really not promoting, you know, that atmosphere that we said. And, and that point, I think you lose trust with your with your community and your audience. So we always follow what we say we do. And um, to me, that's so important because, as I said earlier, we live in this community. So when I go to the local grocery store and I see someone, I have to be able to look them in the eye, shake their hand with integrity, and, and make sure that I do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. And that can be – the reason that's so important to have as a – you know, to define for ourselves what is that reputation that we want to have – is there are times when we're having to make a business decision where it's like, yeah, this would be a great for the bottom line right now, but I got to look longer term and I got to think about the bigger picture of my reputation. It might be as simple as do I take on this student or do I give this person a refund or do I hire this person or not? All of those things you try to do in light of this overall 
reputation and environment that you're trying to maintain and foster. Oh, I, you, you nailed it right there. There's so many times that we've, and, and, and you know, as a small business owner, it, it, sometimes it hurts to give that refund at it that does. moment. Yeah, it does. It, and, and, you know, it's, you're looking obviously at your, uh, you know, our, your, your monthly, uh, uh, quarterly, yearly goals that you have. And, 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 you know, may, maybe, maybe you've done something that, you know, that, you know, on the short term, it's an ouch to that bottom line, but you know what, you've created trust with that customer. And, and, and that I think that sometimes in big business, people lose that trust because they don't look at the big picture. They live within these guidelines that say, well, you know, our policy says that we don't do this and stuff, but sometimes you got to look at people like a human being right? And, and, and you have to say, you know, what is the best thing? If I, if I was in this person's shoes and I was in that situation, how would I want somebody to treat me? And, and you know what, we, we try to live by that. And what we find is that you know what, maybe for some reason, the, the, it wasn't the best fit for that family for our school. But again, kind of having that, uh, that reputation and that community first, if people go and say, you know what, it wasn't for us, but they, they, they were such good people and they treated us right. And we feel so comfortable, uh, you know, with those guys, you should go try that place. And that's where it pays off. Yeah. And so that leads to then the, the, the payoff in part is the referrals that we build our business through in case of your business in particular. So I wanted to get your perspective on referrals. Um, in, in, in particular, how you go about asking for, whether you directly or indirectly do, but tell us about that, how you build through referrals. Well, it was really interesting, kind of in the in the beginning of the business, we had never really thought anything about a formal referral program or, or anything like that. But what we noticed is is that people were happy with the experience and and happy with the classes that we were providing, and the referrals started happening automatically, and with with, with no um, incentivizing, no anything like that. And it that was, to me, that is the is the biggest honor that someone can give you is that there is there's nothing in it for them. You know, there's there's no uh, nothing incentivizing them saying you know nice things about you. But when they do that, you feel like you, you've done a great job, yep. and so if if you get that, uh, I, I think that that that's your your biggest uh, check mark that you're doing the right things uh, within your business. Now, that being said, though, we we did feel like you know that. And a little bit of encouragement, you know, would be good. So we do have a formal referral program. We do a, um, you know, it's it's very simple. It's, you know, you refer a friend, you get a. Uh, like a, a retail item, we typically give out like a T-shirt or something like that. Um, you know, a, a second referral, and and you get a fifty dollar credit. Uh, you know, for you know that you can use, and then a third referral, we give you a hundred dollar credit. So you know, the more that you th that you spread the word, and the more that you um, uh, you know bring people in, we do want to say thank you, and, and we just felt it was important to. Um, you know, to make sure that people were, you know, understood that they were, uh, were appreciated for, for saying good things. Yeah, it's a great takeaway, Kevin. I think that the mistake we can make as business owners to think, well, that'll happen on its own. And it does to an extent in the case of your business where you, you're doing all the right things and building the reputation and delivering on your promise. But people still need to be reminded. And we want to, like, to your point, reward those that do refer us so that we continue to encourage that behavior. So it's, it's great to understand how you do that. Um, all right, as we start to wrap it up on this point, a question that comes to mind is the challenge of getting started. So if you look back on how you got started with community involvement 
and maybe you would have done it differently or the same, but where would I start? If I was starting a business like yours in a community like Coppell, and I, I've decided community involvement is part of what I'm going to do to grow my business, where do I get started? Because I can't be everywhere at once. I can't go to every function. Where do I start as your suggestion? Um, well, one thing that I would do is um, get involved with your local chamber of commerce and just kind of see what types of opportunities they might provide. Uh, and every chamber is a little bit different. Uh, I would say here in Coppell, we have a very active chamber of commerce and they provide many opportunities for us to you know, get out in front of people. Um, so I would say start there. Uh, second thing I would say is look at your city and see what kind of events that they may offer possibly through their parks and recs department uh, you know, or, or something like that and see if there are any opportunities for sponsorship uh, you know, to maybe provide you a, a marketing table or booth. Uh, we're very, very grassroots uh, when it comes to things like that. So the more that we can get in front of people, the more that we can connect, um, we feel that, that that's, a, that's a benefit for us because that's another way we differentiate. We try to get in front of people, whereas maybe other competitors are just putting out ads and flyers and stuff. We do all those things as well, like we said earlier, but making that personal connection, it's amazing how, how that has um, parlayed into success, you know, within our business, just, just making that simple, uh, you know, that handshake, that, that eye to eye connection, that, that conversation that's personal. It's amazing what it'll do for your business. Kevin, do you all have a calendar of scheduled events uh, for the year or do you just manage it as it comes? How, how do you do that? How do you plan that? Well, we, we basically look at those two resources uh, that I said. We look at the uh, the city calendar, especially the, the Parks and Rec, to see what things are going on. And we also look at the, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I've actually gotten um, so involved with our local Chamber of Commerce. I've been fortunate enough to, to chair a, uh, a group uh, that actually creates these kind of opportunities. So uh, we're not only providing bi uh, business opportunities for ourselves, you know, through community involvement, but we're providing it for other businesses uh, as well. So that's kind of a cool thing that wasn't there when we initially got started. So I, it just kind of makes me feel special that we're able to help out other businesses along with ourselves. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, we'll uh, start to wrap it up here and, and start to ask you a couple more personal questions, if I may. And we touched on it earlier on, but how do you, or share with us some tips or advice on how you manage that separation of business and home life. And like you said, the reality is that often they're not separated. That's this reality of a, a locally family owned business. But are there things that you do to try to have and strike a balance between the two? Um, well, I would say that um, I think it's important for us to kind of have our separate areas that we're in charge of. Mm. So for example, my primary role is the chief instructor of the school. So um, I'm typically responsible for um, developing and implementing the curriculum. Um, I'm responsible for the staff that teaches all the classes. You know, I, I teach as well, but we, I couldn't do it without our amazing staff that we have. Um, whereas my wife's role is more um, kind of, you know, in the office and and that strategy, but she even also goes out on the floor a little bit because she works with our, our younger kids, uh, our three and four year olds and our five and six year olds. So we have spots in our business that that we are the leaders of. And so and we we tend to defer to the other person now, um, you know, about those particular uh, areas. Now, we obviously give input and sometimes that input can be difficult uh, to, you know, to take because 
she's got ideas and I've got ideas, but, um, again, looking at that long-term goal of, you know, you know, what are we trying to, to strive towards? I think that that really helps us kind of, um, remember, uh, you know, what we're trying to do. And, and if we work well in our own spaces and then we, we work together with those common goals, um, uh, it, it's so far it's led to success and, and, and we really feel that that's important. Yeah, that's, that's great insight. So, but are you and Amanda always talking business? Do you purposely sometimes don't talk business? Uh, when it comes to the kids, how do you how do you strike that balance so that they don't feel or end up feeling like it's all about the business? I'm pretty sure she would ninja chop me if it was all <laughs> about the business. So, um, you know, honestly, the, the biggest thing is is uh, with our we have we work different hours. You know, we work kind of in the afternoons and the evenings. So. Um, what we try to do is always be involved with the kids, you know, in their school. Uh, you know, we just went on a field trip together with our daughter. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't have that ability to have both parents to go on a field trip. Uh, we do a lot on the weekends when we you know when there's not school. So we try to be really involved with the kids at, at that point. But the most important thing, if you're going to work with your spouse, is you have to remember to have you time and you have to, you know, set aside time for you where you can go out on dates, you know, you can continue to invest in each other and, you know, remind each other that you're not business partners that, you know, that you're in love with each other. And, uh, sometimes that it's difficult when you're just always talking business. So, you know, we go on, we don't go on dates as much as possible. We have an amazing support system with our family to help watch the kids. So we can continue to invest in our relationship and, and grow, uh, as husband and wife, not just business partners. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Kevin, out of everything that you do on a daily basis, what do you love to do the most? Um, you know what? That's an interesting question. I would say that it's actually changed from when we opened the school to when, uh, you know, to where we are now. I would say that the thing I loved the most was teaching the martial arts. Um, you know, like that was getting to share that, that martial arts, which I still love, you know, don't get me wrong about that. But the thing I love now is the relationships, uh, which is, which is kind of interesting. Um, because I, I love getting to know people. I love getting to, you know, to discover why they are there because, you know, kicking and punching is, is just kicking and punching. But if you truly understand a student, uh, you know, or in other terms, uh, you know, a customer or a client, but we refer to them as students. If you truly understand why that student is there, you can provide a higher level of service. And uh, it, it's just been great to get to know so many people in the community. And uh, and we can really kind of uh, dial into, you know, why they're there. You know, is it physical fitness? Is it learning martial arts? Is it because they've been bullied? Is it because they don't feel confident about themselves? And what we find is, the, the service goes through the roof when we learn those questions. So I would say that uh, relationships and getting to know people far outweighs anything else that I do. Yeah, that's, that's well said. I think you really enjoy the impact that you're having on people's lives. Uh, absolutely. It's, that, that is 100% key in what we do. All right. Um, we chatted about books. I, I love book recommendations. Is there a book that you've read or that you're reading now that you would recommend to us? Uh, yes, I've got a, um, a book actually that I just picked up uh, last week, and uh, it was great because I had not read the book yet, but I got a chance to uh, be in an audience where the author of this book spoke, and this gentleman connected with me so well. Uh, I, I noticed instantly when he started speaking a lot of similarities. Uh, he was born in Mississippi, uh, you know, came from a meager background, uh, wound up moving to Texas uh, to better, you know, to to 
uh, kind of get a leg up in life. And uh, it was just so interesting. So a uh, gentleman's name is Brian Montgomery. And uh, he uh, was a electrical engineer who wound up uh, creating a multi-million dollar company to repair medical equipment. But he wrote a book called The Nice Entrepreneur. And there was another connection, like just the, the title of his book is, I think a lot of people think that, you know, you have to go out and you have to, you know, uh, kind of be cutthroat in the world. And, and you know, it's, it's all about you first. But the message of his book is mainly just about, you know, taking care of people, uh, you know, making sure that they're treated well, um, you know, having integrity in the relationships that you have, not just with your employees, but, you know, with your clients, with your customers. And it's something that just instantly connected with me. So uh, I would definitely recommend this book. It, it's It's been a great read so far. I look forward. I'm only about halfway through it, but it's been great so far. I can't wait to finish it up this weekend. Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I have the copy as well. And again, the title, I think you told me the title, The Nice Entrepreneur, right? Yes, sir. Right. So we'll have a link to that book on the show notes page to this episode, and you can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for that recommendation. Oh, absolutely. All right. Last two questions. Uh, first is final parting thought piece of advice. Uh, we can keep it to this topic that we did a deep dive on, which is community involvement or just in general advice that you might have for someone looking to start their first business. So I would say that um, if I had to give any piece of advice, it would be have the passion in what you do because at the end of the day, if you are just showing up to a job, it's always going to be a job. But if you have a passion for it, uh, it it's amazing. I, I, I go to work and I'm, I wish you could see me, but I'm like putting finger quotes over the word work <laughs> because it, it's not work. It's, it's going in. It's, it's seeing people that I care about uh, from my em employees that are there to my family uh, that works with me uh, to the students that come in. It's people that I care about. And I, I had no semblance of that feeling at my other job. That was work. You know, this is, this is my life. And so I would say find passion in what you do. And if you can do that, it will never, it will never feel like work. Great advice. And Kevin, where would you like us to go online to find out more about you and your business? Uh, well, you can uh, visit us online at TKD. Dot com and uh, you'll just search for Capel Taekwondo Academy. You can find us on uh, Google, on Facebook, but Capel uh, TKD for Taekwondo, CapelTKD.com. Perfect. And you all are located, for those of us who are listening here in Capel, tell us again where you're located physically. Uh, we are at the intersection of Sandy Lake and Denton Tap uh, next to Tom Thumb and Anamias. Perfect, perfect. All right. Kevin, this has been a great conversation, a lot of great insights, a lot of good knowledge, not just on starting a business, but on how you've been using community involvement to grow your business and through referrals and so forth. Thanks for taking the time and thanks for sharing your knowledge. Henry, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really enjoyed this. This is Henry Lopez, and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.